Father, your grace is absolutely just uh, profound. And I pray that we would be a people that know um, that we know your grace and your mercy. They are uh, they are new every morning. And it's through you, through you alone, that we find the forgiveness of sins. And um, so we give you praise and honor. You're the only one worthy of praise and honor. We worship you. And we just want to um, be ready for what your word has to say to us. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So number one, we have a special day, right? We have baptisms. What an, ex- what an exciting time for us, right? Um, but in addition, we are still in the midst of a series, a teaching class uh, series that we've been doing called Essential Truths. And and what that means for us is it's not like we're covering every, you know, like a basic Christian doctrine, although that's happening as well. It's just, it's some basic things that we need to understand what it means to be a part of branches. We've, we've addressed a number of different things. And one of the things that we're addressing today is uh, the whole the church. Uh, Church governance or leadership or eldership. We're talk. We're, we're addressing what it means to have leaders in the church. Now, there's a, when you think of leaders, there's a lot of different leaders in our in our world in our world, right? And in our life, we have bosses and all that. But the God has such, set it up in such a way that in the church, there, even though Christ is the head of the church and uh, the church is His bride, right? He is head over it. That He establishes um, elders. Oh, and then, so then the question is, who are elders and what, what are the qualifications to be these elders? So let me address a, a couple of basic things for you to understand with clarity as you think about church leadership and what eldership is. So number one, there's some different words that you will see in your Bible that will be translated. The words like bishop or elder or overseer, they are actually all used synonymously. They are all used. It doesn't mean that there is just this one person who is the, uh, the bishop or the elder. Um, it's an idea it's, it's used synonymously. So when you read and Acts them talking about the elders, they're talking about the same group or you read about the bishop It's the same type of person. It is these, these people that have oversight for the, the soul care of the church. So that word is used synonymously. Number one, you need to understand that elder bishop overseer, same person. So we, we use the word pastor, pastor, elder, same thing. You either are a pastor, elder, or you are not. There's no distinction between pastor and elder. I realize that in some church governments, people make a distinction between pastor, elder. There's absolutely no biblical difference. They're the same thing in the church and the household of God. They are the people that will give an account for what they have done with the church before God. Uh, they will give an account. So it's important for them to know who the church is and who the church is not. It's very, very important for them to know who the church is and who the church is not because they will give an account to God. Secondly, okay, now what are the qualifications of these people? Who are they? How, how, how does this work? All right, so what we're going to do today is we're actually going to address 15 things. There's 15 things that the Apostle Paul lays out um, in terms of what these people, these guys are what their qualifications are. So we're going to look at those qualifications. And now, now there's some things you're going to notice when we look at these qualifications. One is that they're actually not all that special. In fact, you you would look at that list and you would under, you'd come to understand that every single Christian should have these types of characteristics about him. Every single Christian should have these types of characteristics. The idea is that the pastor, elder, bishop, that le- church leadership would be exemplary. Do you know what I mean by exemplary? Exemplary is this. It basically is like 
like high esteem, like these, uh, this is the model of what it looks like to be a Christian. When, when we're talking about pastor elder at Branches Church OC, what we mean is th- those type of people, that those type of men in particular, have to be a model, a model of what it means to be godly and walk with Jesus and exemplify what it means to know him. Okay. They need to be an example. So, so, uh, that being said, there's a couple other things I want you to know. <clears throat> One is this, that branches, uh, we, we believe that, uh, God has called, uh, men in particular to be pastors and elders. And we, we reason from, from the garden itself where he, God gives, you can hear that in a uh, couple sermons ago, God gives Adam, um, headship and, a, and a, a responsibility and authority to carry out. And we know when we read the New Testament, you read Ephesians 5, that his responsibility is to be sacrificial like Jesus, to sacrificially lay his life down for his for his bride. Now, when we move from, from husbands and wives to the church, um, elders are to be sacrificial leaders. They are to be men, and they are to be godly men. Now, now I'm going to lay out some of these things that we see in the Bible that uh, that meet the qualifications for these types of guys. Now, once again, I said that it's really not all that um, different from any other Christian. When you read this list, you should think, I think every Christian should probably look like this. And you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. In fact, there's some other things that they need to consider, but this is what every Christian should look like. But elders in particular, in particular need to exemplify this. All right. Let's get into it. Please turn to First Timothy chapter three. First Timothy chapter three, and we will see the qualifications of elder, so you guys will know what we're talking about. Because in the near future, for Branches Church OC, we will have that sort of system laid out, where we will have um, um, a plurality of eldership. Now, technically, we actually have a plurality of eldership, uh, but the other guy pastors another church. He's a, he's a church planter and, uh, you know, and, and in some ways I'm even, I'm, 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 uh, submissive to my network, even though we govern ourselves. I mean, they, they, there's, they're an authority in my life and same with T and Doan, who's the pastor at city lights church, even though we're equals and laborers and, and in eldership, we are, you know, there's, there's a certain sense of authority. All right. First Timothy chapter three. First Timothy chapter three, we're going to see what the qualifications of, of the, these men need to, um, need to have. So number one, <clears throat> first and foremost, this man, these men that are, must have a sense of call or they must have a very strong t- desire to be a pastor elder. If they do not have a very strong, and I mean incredibly strong desire to pastor the flock of God, then they have no business being a pastor, shepherd, overseer at all. So they have to be ready, but they have to have a strong desire. Look at three one. Let's look at, listen to what it says. This saying is trust, trustworthy, coming from the Apostle Paul. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, right, pastor, elder, same thing, he desires a noble task, he says. Now, the word used here, desire, is a very strong, ongoing desire. It's not like a desire that sort of comes and goes. The, the language here is very clear, very specific. It is an ongoing, continuous desire or a call to be a pastor elder. So you guys need to know that. 
In fact, you, you will, you'll have a sense of that, that that person should or should not be a pastor elder. So number one, that guy has to have a strong desire. Um, others in the same type of office would recognize it and test it. It should feel like a pretty massive call. This isn't something that they just lay down. This is something that's just ongoing. Now, this doesn't mean I know that churches govern themselves in such a way that there's a rotation for volunteer um, elders, and they maybe really rotate for three years. A lot of these guys are are maybe bivocational. Not all churches have uh, paid elders, right? But and but if you do pay the uh, the elders or one of them, then you should pay well. And in addition, they, they have told the total freedom to to not continue leading three years or five years or whatever. However, a local church decides to govern, they can have as much time as they feel is right because those guys are working really hard and it's really a tasking job emotionally, spiritually, and a weighty job. The job is weighty. And it will age those men. And the burden is great. In fact, when you read uh, the scriptures, you read the Apostle Paul talk about his continual burden that he feels for the churches of God. And I can totally testify to that. It is absolutely true. It is no easy thing. It is a weighty thing that you will stand before God. Number two, um, he needs to be a godly man. Okay? So here's what your translation will say. Something like above reproach. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. That's the second thing of 15 things that Paul lists out. Um, he is to be above reproach. In other words, um, it, it, it sh- he should have the, the reputation where no one can bring a complaint about him. Now, people can complain about people all the time, right? People complain about each other. But for the most part, you can see that this, this, these men are the kind of men, they're, they're just sort of above that. It, it, people aren't speaking bad of them. They speak high of them. There's nothing that you can find that's going to get in the way and hurt the church because of whatever's going on. Now, can an elder have a past? Dude, Absolutely. You realize that the church is all about redemption, right? People are sin, dark-hearted sinners, and when they get saved, re, you regenerate by God and come to know Him in faith and start to walk with Him. Do people have a past? Yes, some people have a bigger past than others. And God restores and redeems. That man can have a past. So it doesn't being above approach doesn't mean that he never sinned, because every one of them has sinned, I can tell you that. There's only one person who is without sin and is Jesus and Jesus alone. So a past, yes, but this person is above reproach now during his Christian life. And if he's got ongoing sin, he's not ready to be an elder. He's not ready to be a pastor. He's just not ready. It doesn't mean that he's not a Christian. It doesn't mean that he's not trying to be godly. It means he's not ready. This is an exemplary office. And we need to know what that guy looks like. Number th- number three, he needs to have uh, a good and faithful marriage. So so look at the, the the word of God. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife. The husband of one wife. The scriptures say. Now I want I want to be really frank and upfront and honest, so that like y- you can kind of search this out, because the church has had quite a debate over the centuries about this particular verse. What is a one woman man? Right? 
you know, you know, God doesn't just lay it out like crystal clear. You're weighing it against the rest of Scripture. So, so historically, there has been some that came to the conclusion that, hey, if someone was divorced, if a man was divorced and married again, that he could not be an elder. Now, the church has disagreed about that point, and I want you to know that, and that's okay. You guys realize that there's some things that are kind of we have, hold to with like with an open hand, and some things we hold with a very close hand. Tr- the Trinity of God, close hand. Uh, the debate about uh, divorce and remarriage, open hand. Um, for us at Branches, what we're going to do is we're going to be uh, on the safer side. Is it possible for someone? Um, who has been divorced and remarried to be recon- to be redeemed in such a way that they could be fit for eldership? I would say it's possible, and I would say we'd have to look on a case by case reality. I'm telling you, the church disagrees on this matter. If you were to read the Westminster Confession of Faith, right, that's a 16th century uh, document, it will lay out like they they would say yes, y- yes to you know they could see that person if they were if they for some reason something they're, they're their marriage blew up and um, they were divorced and remarried. They can consider that person dead to them. And you know, I, I just want you to understand that the church has debated this issue, strongly debated this issue. And me personally, I've wrestled with it over and over at different times in my life as I've wrestled with this issue. Could, can a person who is divorced and remarried be, be an elder or be fit for marriage? Now, I will say this, that when someone is a serial, like, you know, divorce, remarriage, there is a certain sense of, um, well, there's a lot of like kids and other people in the mix to kind of to govern and manage. I would say that gets pretty complex, probably. Let's just be real honest. That's going to be complex. Money going out here, kids over here, over here on this weekend, or like it might be difficult to manage the household of God if someone's in that particular situation. But on a case-by-case situation, I think we can, we can evaluate that and, and look at that with grace and mercy and, and through the eyes of what Jesus can redeem because Jesus redeems people that have sinned just like you and me, right? Right. So I want you to be aware of that. I want you to know that. Now, I'm telling you, I can give you a rationale for why there are some that would hold to a harder view of this. But if you look at Matthew 5 and Matthew 19, you can look at it on your own time. You will see, you will see where, where there seems to be an exception um, and for someone to actually be freed from a, from a, a broken marriage. Number, number four. <clears throat> He needs to be a mature or a and a clear-minded man. Listen, listen to what what this what the scriptures say. Sober-minded. So he needs to be all these other things, and he needs to be sober-minded. He he needs to think with some clarity, and and you'll see just in just a little bit why the whole idea of sober mind is super important. He needs to be able to address people with some uh, some soberness. You know, he, he's just not laughing at every single thing that's, that's happening in people's lives when they're painful things. And yet he can, he can, um, he's, he's, he's friendly and gentle, but, but he's appropriate. Number five, um, he needs to be a disciplined man. L- look at the scripture. Look at what it says. He needs to be not only sober, but he needs to be self-controlled. You know what? It's possible that someone, um, 
they might mess up and they, they might look at pornography. They might screw up in some way really bad. But look, and you know, if this person has an ongoing issue, he's unfit to be an elder and pastor. Unfit. Disqualified. He must be self-controlled. Now, if you're a man here, the kind of thinking through this list, this is the help you think through the list. Am I ready? This is the kind of man I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be a godly man, a self-controlled man, um, uh, a disciplined man, right? Number six, he must, be, uh, he must be hospitable. So we're self-controlled and respectful. He must be hospitable. Do you know that in the first century, as Christians were traveling to and fro, it was really hard to find a place to stay because they often, some were bothered in conscience because they were going to places where if they were going to buy food, it was going to be sacrificed to idols. Now, Paul makes it very clear as you read the scripture that like there's no other gods and it's okay. But if it bothers and affects their conscience, they're just not ready to, to eat that food. It's been asked sacrifice to idols. And if they couldn't do it, they couldn't eat that food that was there at that end. Where were they going to eat? And you know who the first century Christians had to turn to? They had to knock on doors and find other Christians in the neighborhood. And by God's grace, those other Christians were going to let them in and be hospitable to them. For a guy, for a man to be the kind of man ready for eldership and pastorship, he needs to be hospitable. Can people come to his home? Can he be ready to welcome people to his home? I realize that in our context, we're a little tighter on the door than uh, first century, you know, right? We're a little tighter. I mean, we lock the door. You know, you're not rolling in at my house at nine o'clock like, like when we're like, right? Maybe you're, maybe you're like that. I grew up in a home where people came over and we had like this open door policy. People stay in the night all the time. I realize that's not all, all of your guys' context. Some of you grew up in context there where if it wasn't planned, uh, two and a half years in advance, like they weren't coming over to stay at that particular day and time, right? You know what I'm saying. But are you a hospitable? Are you a hospitable man? Can you welcome people? Uh, no matter who they are, no matter how different they might be than you. Man, the true mark of hospitality welcomes people that are different than, than yourself. How are they different and can you welcome them? All right, number, number seven, 15 things on this list that Paul gives. I realize this is really instructive. This is not totally my style, but this is this, Paul lays this out, and I want you to know about this so that you're prepared for when the day comes. He must be able and skillfully teach. It's assumed, it's assumed with that because he says it says that he must be able to teach. You know, as we're analyzing um, um, men who can be potential elders, uh, pastor elders in our church, whether they're hired or they're volunteer. You know, we've got our eye out for for guys that can teach with some skill. It doesn't mean they have to be professor, professor type person at all. In fact, sometimes the professor type is not wired to be a pastor. I'm just telling you. Sometimes they are, and sometimes they are not. They teach, and then they're out the back door. See you guys next week. I don't like people. And if you're not hospitable and like people, dude, you're not a pastor. 
There's no way around it. The qualifications are crystal clear. But he must be able to teach because, man, it has been brutal on the church over the years when there has been elders, pastors um, in the pastorate, and they have not been able to teach because they have not been able to guard the gate. The qualifications that elders will have to do is they have to guard the gate uh, where doctrine is false. They have to guard the gate. They have to they have to challenge people whose uh, whose doctrine is false or or just a little wacky, a little wackadoodle. You realize, like p- people can believe some pretty wackadoodle things, right? Yeah, I, you know, I mean, you know, Mormonism—that's that's Christianity too. And an elder needs to be like, no, it's not, and here's why, just like that. You know, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit died on the cross. No, He didn't. Jesus died on the cross, and they have to know doctrine. They have to be able to correct. Where appropriate. They have to be able to correct. And if they can't correct and they can't teach, they're not ready. Or they're just not called to that. And that's okay. By the way, this is not a different class of people like, oh, that's like higher, lower. It's a call. And it should not be something that someone aspires to if they don't feel called to. Because it's weighty and it's gonna, it's gonna be a weight on you. And you will give an account to God. Number number eight, he cannot be addicted to wine. Now, this is controversial for some people, but it's not. It's not. Let me just be absolutely clear that uh, the Bible totally allows for the drinking of wine. Totally allows for it. Can I tell you what's clearly sin? And there are some Christians that don't realize this yet, that, that the drunkenness is sin. Drunkenness is sinful. If you are planning trips to get wasted, you are in sin and must repent. Now is your day to repent while there is still time for you. Drinking alcohol is okay. I would say be very cautious. As you read the Bible, just like I read the Bible, you're going to see some households that get jacked up from alcohol. One dude's going to end up naked somewhere. Another, I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff is going to happen when you're reading the Bible about alcohol. But if you are getting drunk, man, please repent. And if you're, you're definitely, and if you're thinking you want to be a teacher, elder, pastor, elder, and you're, you're getting drunk, please just don't even try because you are not ready. You are absolutely not ready to shepherd the people of God. If you are a drunk, the Bible makes it absolutely clear that he cannot be addicted to wine. You can imagine the first century, these elders going and visiting people in their homes, right? You know, if they're not careful by the third house, man, they might be like, like stumbling to the fourth house. I mean, so they have to be like really wise and kind of able to navigate with some wisdom. Like it's okay to have a beer with this household, but, but like be real careful. You know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to allow for as much freedom, but also as much care. And I also fully recognize that there are some brothers and sisters in here possibly that they're probably completely abstain and have a total problem with anyone who touches alcohol in any bit. I want I want you to understand that, hey, accept each other. The line the Bible makes is not a line before drunkenness. Okay? The line that the Bible makes in the sand is drunkenness. So be very cautious. Be mature. Be careful, brothers and sisters. Number nine. 
He cannot be a brawler. Let me, if you have a hard time understanding this, let me like give you a little picture. You're driving down the road. Someone cuts you off. You jump out of your car. You're a brawler. And you're not ready to be an elder. You're not ready. Like, you know what? Protect your family. Protect your family. But there's no reason for the man of God to, um, to be brawling with people when their hope for them is to know Jesus who died for them and paid for them. Right? So if you're jumping out of that car, if you're flying off the hook, man, you are not ready to be a pastor elder. Number 10, this person, this man is a gracious and he is gentle. The Bible says right here, very clearly, number 10, number 10, that he is gentle. He's not violent, but in contrast, but gentle. He's not quarrelsome. He's gentle. Some of your um, translations might use the word pugnacious. Have you have you known certain types of men that maybe aren't going to jump out of the car and pick get in a fight with someone or like like if you're that guy that keeps going places and you're like I keep getting in a fight everywhere I go you're not ready but like like have you ever met that guy who's not like that but the kind of guy who's well dressed he's self controlled however he when he's in meetings with other people he bullies them. He bullies them. There's a word for that. It's called pugnacious. They, they run over everyone. Now, just because you don't get in street fights, there's people that get pugnacious. And we all know what it looks like. They, they bully. They, they, they just run over everyone. That man is not ready to be a pastor elder. He's not ready. He's not mature enough. He doesn't have self-control. He is pugnacious and a bully. He's not ready. Number 12. Number 12, he cannot love money. Dude, the, the, the pastor, elder, candidate cannot love money. Money is such a funny thing, brothers and sisters. It's a funny, funny thing. If you want to test yourself whether or not you love money, look at your percentage of your um, generosity. Just to sit down with your, with your books, with your money, and figure out like what you give away. And then you will get an idea of where your generosity is. Or you'll get an idea of where your heart is. So, so here, listen to what it says. It says, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. You can imagine someone in the first century very easily, you know, getting to know people, getting in their homes, hanging out. I mean, the opportunity for financial evil is very high. But we'll say it this way at Branches. We want uh, elders, pastors to be exemplary in their generosity. So we at Branches, we're gonna, we're, we'll talk about money. Um, it's, it's just like this normal part of life. Um, we, we, el- pastor elders will be, if they're qualified, uh, we'll ask them to be giving at least 10% or they're not fit to be an elder pastor yet. They're just not ready. And um, for me personally, uh, growing up in the church here and there, there were times where I was more legalistic and more free. And um, I'm, I'm gonna, and I there was uh, most of the time I never heard any great rationale for for generosity and, and giving. Either it came across very pharisaical, or it just was totally ignored because there was a fear of talking about money with people. And we're just not going to be fearful at branches about anything. 
Because the Bible says not to fear man, but to fear him and fear him alone. And we're going to talk about money. We all use it. We need to pay our bills and all that. But we as Christians need to be generous. And the pastor elder, he is not fit to be a shepherd of God's people unless he's doing at least 10%. Let me tell you this. It's really easy for, um, for, for us as Christians to say, okay, hey, look, we could totally see that there was this high, like, 30% thing going on in the Old Testament. When you move to the New Testament, does, doesn't God want us to pay, pay less? Doesn't God, like, and I, and I would say, hey, look, you know, I don't, I don't want you to be under compulsion or to be under this weird pressure, but I want you to understand that, dude, if anything, man, our hearts just cry out even more with, with generosity. Just give more away. I mean, pay your rent, my goodness. Pay your rent, pay your bills, take care of your family, man. But be generous. God's people are generous because you and I did not deserve generosity, but He who is completely generous was generous to us. We deserved hell. We deserved fire eternally. But God in His grace provides a way for us through Christ Jesus. As if He has given us that, how much more can we give away? Which, which doesn't even belong to us anyway. As we think about money, brothers and sisters, I, I want to encourage you to, to be free from the love of money. It is so easy to love it. It is so easy to hold on to it. And I, I'll confess, I've done that in my own life. I've done it. And I, and I wish I could say I, I just have been free from that my whole life, and I just haven't. But man, by God's grace, um, we're free right now. We're free. And just give it away. Just give it away. And we want to encourage and call branches to be a church that is absolutely generous. Because the one who knew no sin, he, he provided a way for us who were sinners. If, if he did this, how much more can we be ready to give away? I'd say we should be able and free enough to give even more. There are brothers and sisters, guys, this will blow your minds. It blows my mind every time. That give like, it's crazy, dude. I'm going to say dude, and it's crazy because they give like massive amounts away all the time. And these aren't even people that are like wealthy. They're giving like 20, 25%. It's insane. But they're just like giving it away. It's, it's, I, I am blown away. Think of the widow's might. The widow who has the might, and that's all she has, and she gives it away. All of it. She gave all she had. Something to that. Christians need to be generous. And elders who are not generous are not fit to be elders. We'll just know that. So as you see eldership in the future in Branches Church, you will know this. They are godly men and that they are generous men. You'll know that. You'll know those are the kind of men that will stand before you and take care of your soul. They will be godly men and they will be generous men. Or they're just not ready. Here's the other thing. Number 13, they have to be a good husband and a good father. So look at the ver starting with verse four. It says this. He must manage his own household well with all uh, dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household argument that Paul uses from lesser to greater. If he does not manage his house with all dignity, keeping the children um, submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? 
you, you, you're, um, the, the elders and pastors that we have will have, they will be required because the Bible calls it to, calls them to, to take care of their household well. That their children will, ha- will have to be obedient and submissive. They will be, they will, they will, they'll be obedient. They will not be running crazy. Right? We, they will, but they will be judged among, uh, other peers. And if they cannot, if they can't care for such a small household, how would they possibly care for you? When they're, the, the weight and the management goes even bigger. They have to be able to care for their wife and care for their kids and care for others and manage their time and their life. And they have to be able to do it with courage and authority and some organization. They have to be godly. They can't be a jerk. They cannot love money. They have to be a good husband and a good father because if they cannot, they're not ready. Hey, look, you know what? Man, if you're struggling with parenting, dude, we all have. It's all right. Man, God's good. God's gracious. Let's learn from each other. You're going to rock it. But look, if that guy's not managing his house well, he's not fit. He's not ready to manage the household of God. He just isn't. Number 14, he cannot be a new Christian. How many times have you guys seen a new Christian like, hey, I'm in. I love Jesus. Oh, I accidentally smoked weed again. I don't know what's going on. Oh, I got drunk. Like, like they're not ready. Definitely. Like, listen to what the Word of God says. He must manage his own household well, right? Number five, for, for if someone does not know how to manage his house, how can he care for the God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Let me just tell you this. It would be very risky for someone who's a rookie or a novice to become a pastor and elder if they're not ready, if it's too soon, for the sake of their own soul. You see, Satan was kicked out of the presence of God because of pride. He's arrogant. The most, one of the most dangerous sins, brothers and sisters, is pride. If you are prideful, be careful. But be, do more than be careful. Do repent now while there is time. If he is prideful, he's too young in the faith, he's not ready to be an elder, teacher, pastor, elder. Not ready. Not ready. He either is or he is not. There's no like halfway between. It, if he's prideful and arrogant, he cannot be. He is unfit. So he cannot be a new Christian. Um, number 15, the community should think well of him. So, so look at the, the scriptures. So moreover, um, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into the disgrace, into the snare of the devil. If he has a problem outside, people see him getting in fights. If he is not generous with his tipping in the neighbor, you know, all that stuff. When pe- if people are like, gosh, that guy's such a clown. He's such a jerk. We hate when he comes to our restaurant. We hate the way he talks to his wife. Oh my goodness. He's a mess. That guy is not ready. He's not ready. We want him to grow and mature and walk with Jesus, but he's not ready to, to shepherd the people of God. Now, there are so many other things, but there are those are the 15 things. And I just wanted you guys to hear them. And I want the men in our church to think about them and consider them because the future is coming soon. And we are several months old and we are going to need a plurality of elders. We don't want to do it too soon, but we will we'll need it. And we'll need men to step up. 
to eldership and bear the weight of the responsibility of doing so to care for the souls of people. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your amazing grace. And as we just, just ponder these, these, uh, these massive truths, how it relates to how we should think and also how we govern ourselves as a, as a growing young baby church, we pray for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.